We began to study David last Sunday. And let me remind everyone why David is such a significant figure in the Bible and the shining example of a faith to all of us. In the Bible, the name David appears more than anyone, only less than Jesus. David's name appears 974 times. The next name that appears most is Moses 803 times, and then Abraham 335 times. Why is David so prominent in the Bible? Why did God love him so much and they called him a man after his own heart? I told you that God loved David not because he was a perfect saint, but because he was a persistent, especially even in his sin and generally in his suffering. Last Sunday in 1 Samuel chapter 22, we saw David escaping into the cave of Adullam. Even though David did not see, uh, even though we did not see God's direct leading in Saul's persecution of David, we all know that it was God who led and allowed David to be cornered in a cave in Judean wilderness. In a very surprising manner, but actually predictable way of God in the Bible, God secretly blessed David to begin his reign as a God's anointed king from a cave, not from a castle. There, David received the 400 faithful followers who later became formidable warriors for his kingdom. As a segue to today's message, I want us to remember two connecting spiritual truths. First, when God begins his work and blessings in our life, the beginning is always a humble and small. Therefore, don't be discouraged by your current beginning. Where and how we begin is nothing compared to where we will arrive and what we'll become at the end of our faith journey with God. I want to specially affirm the four new house churches that are beginning new. You might say, Pastor Paul, we have just two, two new house churches. What do you mean by four? Well, actually, two existing churches that gave birth to new, church, new house churches, they also have to start new again. So in that case, we have a four house churches that dealing with a new group dynamics. And actually, I'm praying for these four new houses a little more intensely. And uh, hopefully, end of this, I mean, a little bit later, Indonesia, when they uh, also gave a birth, all of a sudden, we have uh, six new house churches in our church. And the beginning, once again, always is humbling and small. But that is okay, because God will take us a great journey, and at the end, we'll praise God. Second, God wants us to be a good ship before we become a good or a great shepherd. That's what God was doing with David in the wilderness. When God allowed King Saul became a king of Israel quickly with a unanimous support of a people, when it comes to David, God did something different. God made David's kingship slowly and arduously progressing. It took more over 10 plus years for David to become the king of entire Israel since he was anointed by Samuel. Why? God was training David to become a good ship to him. 
Unless we become a good sheep to Jesus, we cannot become a good shepherd to others. Unless we depend on God first, we cannot help others depend on God. So what is a good sheep? Good sheep is one who follows his or her shepherd everywhere, even in the valley of a shadow of death. I think that's why when they... Uh, uh, why, you know, when David composed the famous Psalm uh, 23, he did not describe the relationship of a shepherd and sheep to be just uh, idyllic, romantic, and comfortable, but actually occasionally insecure, risky, and challenging. That's why Psalm 21, David said, I, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, because he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside a still water. But also later in the psalm, David said, Even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Definitely in the cave of Adullam, David felt the fear of death. In the wilderness, David felt the evil of us also envy. Unlike our pandemic, which was a global and common suffering, universal suffering that everybody goes through, Saul's persecution was individual and personal and uncommon, unfair to David. Like his seeking missile, it was seeking to destroy David day after day. In the wilderness in his cave, David wrestled his fear with a faith every day, and there, his daily survival made him sick and depend on God's help and protection. Today, we will read Psalm 57, one of two psalms that David wrote in the cave of Adullam. And here, we will reflect on how his faith in God helped him overcome fear and how he became a good sheep, ready to become a great shepherd later. So I invite you to read Psalm 57 with me. So I want us to unmute. Feel free to unmute. And as I read, feel free to read loud with me. Okay? On count of three, I'm going to read. So read with me. One, two, three. Have a mercy on me, my God. Have a mercy on me. For in you I take a refuge. I will take a refuge in the shadow of your wings until disaster has passed. I cry out to God Most High, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who heartily pursue me. God sends forth His love and His faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it by themselves. My, God, my heart, O God, is fast. My heart is fast. I will sing and make a music. Awake, my soul, awake, a harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. 
I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Amen. David wrote many psalms. In fact, most scholars recognize authorship, his authorship for 73 psalms to 75. Almost half of the book of psalms was written by David. Truly, David was a singer of Israel. One day, I will do a series on David's famous psalms, and definitely Psalm 57 will make it into the list. Psalm 57 is technically a song of lamentation and praise. The first six verses is his cry to God, and the last five verses is a fair, another cry, a unique cry, as you will see. Here we see David crying out to God against the two enemies, two enemies. And it is my prayer that this psalm help us also cry out our hearts to God and overcome our own spiritual adversaries in life, especially in this pandemic. Now, this psalm begins with a David's cry to God against his enemy. The first part, cry out to God for against his enemies. And David was definitely desperate. He repeated his need of God's help and protection. Twice David said, have a mercy on me, my God, have a mercy on me. And second, you know, repetition, he said, in you I take a refuge. I'll take a refuge in the shadow of your wings. While we can hear and feel the urgency in David's cry to God, I want us to notice. Also, David was not only driven by his urgent situation, but also his faith in ultimate God. That's why David said in verse 2, I cry, I cry out to God Most High. Not just to God, but God Most High. God Most High in Hebrew is El Elyon. El Elyon. And the first time this name of God appeared in the Bible was Genesis 14, 17 to 20. Let me read. Genesis 14, 17. After Abraham returned from defeating Kedolamor and the kings alive with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah, that is a king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of a God most high. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who deliver your enemies into your hand. When David risked his life in rescuing his ungrateful, selfish nephew Lot and his family and citizens of Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah from invading kings of the east and return, Melchizedek, the priest king of Salem, told Abraham that it was God Most High who gave you victory, Abraham. This mysterious king, priest king, reminded Abraham that his victory came from God Most High, El Elyon, by mentioning that name twice. And Abraham, in gratitude, gave a first tithe in the Bible 
for the first victory of the first battle recorded in the Bible. El Elyon, or God Most High, was God who delivered his people. Later, when David was giving his last word on his deathbed, in 2 Samuel chapter 23:1, David said, It was Most High that exalted him. David said, Most High exalted me. So, God Most High here means God is the most powerful because he sees everything from his highest position. There is nothing can surprise God or outsmart him. He sees everything everywhere. No one is higher than God and no one can hide anything from God Most High. Now, why did David call God this name here? I think it's because David couldn't see anything clearly at the moment. Obviously, he was in the cave, hiding from Saul and his soldiers, while everyone is seeking and hunting him. David was in the deadly game of hide-and-seek as a prey and a game. Look at the way David describes his adversaries in verse 4 and 6. I'm in midst of a lion. I'm among the ravenous you know, beasts. And they spread the net on my, for my feet. And they dug a pit in my path. David called his adversaries a lion. Some interpreters think that the caves were a common habitat of lions. And David was dwelling in such a cave. That's where he got the idea. He also called them, his enemies, ravenous beasts, very hungry predators. Hungry for what? Hungry for bounty reward on David's neck. He said their tongues are sharp sword, and by that he meant they spoke critically of him, and they, their words meant destruction to David and anyone who helped him out. David was afraid of his adversaries' tongues, and there was a reason. In the first Samuel chapter 21, a chapter before the Adullam king, uh, cave of Adullam, David fled to a town called Nab, and a priest named Ahimelech unknowingly gave food and the weapons to David, thinking that David was in secret mission for uh, King Saul. Later, when King Saul found that David escaped, and he complained that how come nobody gave me any tangible intelligence to capture David, my enemy. Is it everyone conspiring with David against me? He was frustrated. And at the moment, an Edomite named Doeg reported whole incident, picturing Ahimelech as some kind of benefactor to David, to King Saul. And Saul ordered Doeg to kill everyone in that town. So 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 18, the king ordered Doeg, you turn and strike down the priest. So Doeg, Edomite, turned and struck them down. That day he killed the 85 men who wore the linen effort. 85 priests were killed. And he also put, the sword, put to the sword to knock the town of a priest with his men and woman, his children and infant, his cattle, donkey and sheep. So after the massacre of a knob, everyone started reporting David to King Saul. 
including those whom David helped later. Next week, we'll see that. No wonder David confessed in another psalm that he wrote during this time, Psalm 142, said, Look and see, there's a no one at my, my right hand. No one is a concern for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. But everyone just, you know, after their own neck, I cry out to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. David was actually saying that you are the only refuge, Lord. While everyone was turning against David and he found no shelter or refuge, he cried out to God that you are my only refuge, only portion in the land of living. And today, Psalm David said, I will take a refuge in the shadow of your wings until disaster has passed. Here we see David's understanding of God in great balance. He saw God not only in the most high, but also most homey. Most homey. What do I mean by homey? When David said his refuge was in the shadow of God's wings, he was describing God as a mother hen or mother bird, sheltering or protecting her chicks. Let me show, show you a picture of a bird that my wife, Jamie, uh, showed me last week and asked me if I knew that the name of the bird. I thought initially this bird was some kind of generically mutated bird. Do you know the name of this bird? This is a simply a mother bird taking care of a lot of birds under her wings. All those legs are nothing but her baby chick's legs. Now, as the baby cried out to God to be his refuge and shelter, David was realizing that God was not only powerful, but also merciful. Here we see the picture of Almighty God in perfect balance. God is both transcendent, and intimate. Theologians, they call it immanent. Immanent. God is immanent, closer to us than anybody. Often in the times of trouble, we feel the gap between the transcendent God and the actual intimate God with us. So that often we think that God is far removed from us. Of course, God cannot be infected by coronavirus. And God is, you know, everything, above everything. God is not fragile like us. So we, we, we just feel that God is, God is not suffering like us or with us. David has a great balance of understanding God in that God's power and love are available for us. Our God is a God of uh, awesome God of uh, might and mercy. When David realized that only such God can deliver him out of his disaster, David found not only hope, but also he started making a prayer based on that hope. So verse 5, David said, Be exalted, O Lord, above the heavens. Let your glory be cover all the earth. He repeated these phrases later at the end, verse 11, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Here, David recognized a connection 
between heaven and earth in God. He said, exalt it above the heavens and let your glory cover all the earth. Doesn't David's praise here look like what Jesus taught us to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, before I go to the second point, let me ask you. Forest, church, and every forest tree, let me ask you a question. In this relentless pandemic, do you recognize God most high and God most homey? Are you experiencing God of power and love these days? Do you see God as the strongest shelter, yet the sweetest shepherd in your pandemic situation? If so, you want to shout David's praise. Be exalted God above the heavens and let your glory cover all over the earth. I want us to obey and serve God so that most high and the humble God of our forest will be praised by everyone when they hear our faith journey story with God. But if some of you honestly say, I'm not in the mood of praising God these days, Pastor Paul. I'm just, you know, getting by. If so, you need to listen to the second cry of David very carefully today. David's second cry to God is 180 degrees different. In the first part of the, the Psalm 57, David was focusing God most high and his heinous adversaries. In the second part of Psalm 57, David was focusing himself and the different kind of enemy, spiritual adversary. So let me read uh, verse 7 to 11. My heart is, O oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make a music. Awake my soul. Awake a harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I'll praise you, Lord, among the nation. I will sing of your sing of you among the people for great is your love reaching to the heavens your faithfulness reaches to the sky be exalted O god above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth again david repeat here in verse 7 my heart is a steadfast O god my heart is a steadfast david was saying that my heart is a fixed I fix my heart to focus on you only, God. And then he makes the most amazing dedication. He said, I will sing and make a music, but I will not just sing, make a music when I feel like it. What did he say? Verse 8, this is the key verse of this, this psalm. Awake my soul. I will awake and harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. Three-time repetition is rare in the Bible. And David, for the, for, you know, he used the same word, awake, 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 uh, three times. And he said he will awake the dawn. What does it mean that he will awake the dawn? We must recognize that this dawn here was a different from dawn that you and I know. Dawn is not something we awake. Dawn, or beginning of the day, just comes to us. Actually, dawn, dawn comes and comes to us, and uh, 
you know, eventually wake us up in the morning. Dawn that David was talking about is not natural dawn. He's talking about spiritual dawn. By spiritual dawn, he was talking about his focus on God's holy and holy presence protection in his life. David was saying that before dawn or day or morning comes to awake me, I will awake my soul to come to God. I will bring myself to God. Here, David was confessing that his real adversary, another really adversary, was himself. It's a spiritual slothness. You know, as Cicero, the Roman uh, thinker, said, I am my worst enemy. Yes. Do you agree? I don't know about you, but I, you know, the greatest enemy of my life, the greatest enemy of my ministry and my, my call in forest is it's, it's not somebody else, it's me. Paul, I came. I am the, my greatest enemy to obey God and serve God. David was saying this here. Lord, I've been in deep sleep and did not realize that you have been with me. I saw my life situation too much in, in light of my own crisis and in, in, in terms of my enemies that my, that my faith was in deep sleep and my face was a snoring loud, nothing but complaints and worries. But from now on, Lord, I'm going to wake up my heart. I'm going to wake up my soul. I'm going to wake up my faith. I will no longer be in midnight, a spiritual midnight, but I will get up and start every morning with my faith in you. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will waken the dawn. You know, when David said, Awake, harp and lyre, he was confessing to God, that, Lord, I forgot to praise you. My soul has been singing only blues these days. But from now on, I'm going to sing real praises, like a rock and roll kind of a fast, exciting praises with my harp and lyre. I feel this morning I was prepping myself with the, this uh, cry of David and I turned on the music, my favorite rock and roll song, Group Boston's More Than Feeling. You know that song? More Than Feeling? Yes, I love that song because it's a refrain that it's a refrain that it's a more than feeling. When I hear the old song they used to play, I began dreaming until I see Marion walk away, I see my Marion walking away. I don't have a, a girlfriend named Marion, but point is, I love that refrain is, my faith is a more than feeling. And then when I see Jesus walking, I'm excited. My faith is more than feeling. People, our faith is more than feeling. When David said, awake a harp and lyre, David said, I'm going to sing loud again. David, the singer of Israel, returned in Psalm 57. 
and Psalm 57 and 142 were songs that they be composed in the cave of Adullam. And I wish we could hear their original song. I wish there was somebody who retained that original tune of David. If somebody can sing the song, I'll, you know, I'll pay, or whatever. Definitely in heaven, I have uh, some request songs for David to play and sing. This will be Psalm you know, 57. I said, David, let me hear it. What you sang in the cave of Adullam. Now imagine, when David started praising God in the cave, his 400 warriors, they began to hear it. I bet there was more than natural acoustic sound effect. These people, these are broken, desperate, hiding people, they began to have spiritual, unnatural healing effect through the David's praise. I bet they are getting hope. The David's hope and faith became a infectious, contagious, that it is really transforming them, that uh, we are not done. There is a God most high above soul. Yes, soul's threat is deadly, but our God is greater than any king on earth. Our king is in heaven. He is a creator of heavens and earth. I believe this is one of the most glorifying times in David's life when he praised God in the cave of Adullam. Yes, I think this is a highlight of David's life. More than when he brought the ark of God to the Jerusalem. More than he conquered all the nations around it. Because here, David praising God only for who God is. He's not praising God out of a good circumstance. He's praising God not in the peace and prosperity and success, but he's praising God in persecution and personal peril. That's the faith, brothers and sisters. When we praise God, not by sight, but by faith alone, that is a praise. David's concert in the cave of Adullam reminds me another concert later in the, in the Bible, Acts chapter 16, 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Do you know where Paul and Silas were in Acts chapter 16? Those of you know story of Paul and Silas, they were in the Philippian jail. After unjustly arrested and tortured, at midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And then actually following verse is this. And the other prisoners were listening. Other prisoners were listening. Why? When was the last time there was rock and roll praising in the jail? I think this is where the Elvis Presley get the J-Rock, you know, his song, whatever, that uh, J-Rock. Those of you who don't know, well, check it out. This is uh, Paul's version of, uh, you know, J-Rock. Other prisoners were hearing this uh, very unique, unprecedented, unnatural, untamed praise of God, and they began to wonder what kind of God is inspiring these guys to sing these unlikely places. 
that the prison doors flew open, I think it symbolized their hearts open to the hope of the gospel. And later, the jailer and his whole household received Christ as a Savior and the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, when we praise God, in the time of a prosperity and success, people don't pay attention to us. But when we praise God, in time of a pandemic and suffering, yes, they will know that we have more than just whatever people have. They, they will take us seriously. I want to read a, a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis. Before we, uh, before, uh, uh, just hold a second. C.S. Lewis. He wrote the one, probably the most famous book, Mere Christianity, during the World War II. It was actually his radio, you know, uh, uh, weekly uh, talk that became a book. And uh, during the World War II, when German, you know, Air Force, you know, a uh, uh, blister, you know, it's a bombing London and everywhere. You know what C.S. Lewis was telling the British people? You need to go to church. <laughs> That's what he was saying. More than ever, this is not a time to take back from church. This is a time to go to the church. So let me read a quote from your Christianity. Now, faith is the art of holding on to things that your reason has once accepted, in spite of your changing mood. For moods will change whatever view your reasons take. This rebellion of your moods against your real self is going to come anyway. That's why faith is a, such a necessary virtue. Unless you teach your moods where they get off, you can never be either sound Christian or even sound atheist, just a creature dithering to and fro, with a belief really dependent on the weather and state of digestion. Consequently, one must train the habit of faith. The first step to recognize the fact that your moods change. Next is to make sure that if you have once accepted Christianity, then some of its main doctrine shall be deliberately held before your mind for some time every day. That is why daily prayers and religious readings and church goings are a necessary part of a Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief or any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. And as a matter of fact, if you examine a hundred people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to be, turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? The key word in C.S. Lewis's mere Christianity in this passage is that one must train the habit of a faith. Faith has its own habit. Faith has its own timetable or time own clock. Faith has its own morning and evening. It's dawn and the day. We need to train habit of a faith. Without a habit of a faith, we will have a holiness only in name, not in the power. As Paul said in 2 Timothy, that we will have only holiness in form, but lack true power. Power of a faith comes from habit of a faith. 
And the foremost habit of faith is praising God first in the morning and last in the evening. J.I. Packer, author of Knowing God, the late great evangelical you know, theologian pastor said this, Once you become aware that the main business you are here on earth for is to know God. And once you know that's the purpose of your life, he said, most of the life problems fall into place of their record, their accord. You know, when we praise God, who created us with a purpose and sustains us with a power and love, we begin to seize the day. We no longer are blown by the moods of the day, of feelings. We begin to redeem the day. You know, best way to know God, according to David and the Jewish people in the Bible, is praising God. That's why a lot of uh, you know, uh, uh, the uh, biblical scholars uh, in the Old Testament, they said Israel's history, Israel's theology was songs. Book of Psalms, it's not just a book of worship, it's a book of theology. And I totally concur, because a good theology always ends in doxology. Theology and doxology goes together. Martin Luther says the same thing. Next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. The gift of a language combined with the gift of song was given to man that he should proclaim the word of God through music. Proclaiming the word of God through music. That is a praise. That is a praise. Dear brothers and sisters, that's why we do the daily breath. And that's why we invite you to join us daily breath, whether it's at 7 o'clock in the morning or during the, you know, your, your own you know, morning time, daytime. Because what is a worship? Worship is simply giving God back, giving God His breath back. God gave us his breath, not just to exist, but to enjoy the day that he created for us. And then now we are breathing with God's breath, and we are breathing back to God with the praises. And when we praise God, just like David, we begin to transcend ourselves from whatever cave, whatever you know, pigeonhole, Whatever, you know, uh, 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 isolation that we are imprisoned. We begin to see God most high. And with David, we begin to praise. We want to say, I want to sing your glory, Lord. I want to sing that I want to give thanks to you among the people. I want to sing praises among the nation. I want everybody to know my God. Who takes me out of this cave and all the problems of my life? God is bigger than anything and with God you can do anything. Dear brothers and sisters, this pandemic is really resilient. We don't know the end, but we know one day it will end. But during this time, I want us to really, really intensify our personal praising God every day. Possibly, hopefully, every morning. 
And until you feel the breath of God in your heart, don't leave your house. Leave your place with the breath of God, the Holy Spirit in you, and ask God, bless my day so that I can bless your name. That's what we want to do. That's what David prays. Let us pray.